0: I'm excited to guide you on your journey to transform your marketing efforts into something that provides consistent value and ultimately improves the lives of your audience. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of All Things Marketing and Education. This week, I'm really excited to be sitting down with Dr. Erica Tate. You'll get to experience her today, but I'm going to tell you that she is full of energy. I have been fangirling from her for a long time, listening to her live video shows and watching her and how animated she is, so you are in for a treat. Um, Her high energy is really great today. Because as you may hear a little bit in my voice, maybe throughout the podcast, I'm recovering from the flu. So it's not my low energy. It's just, wow, everyone's got something nowadays. (laughs) They say it's, I forget the acronym, but they say it's some kind of like not COVID mysterious virus. So, you know, count me in on that. Um, So let's get back to Erica. Erica is one of the few podcast guests I actually don't know it like incredibly well. I... Like I said, I've known her, but I've known her from what she produces and how she inspires others. And I've always said, hey, I've known this guest or that guest on Twitter, and we've been following them for decades. Erica is a little bit of an exception because I've been following her on LinkedIn, and I'm seeing all the great things and the businesses she's producing and the content that she's talking about. And so I've been fangirling her for a while. I told her right before the show, and she laughed. And I am just so excited for her to share her knowledge with you. Um, Before I get into Erica's bio, I want to let you know today that we'll be talking about all things equity and even getting into some specifics like instructional equity and equitable learning experiences. And if you don't know anything about this topic, don't worry. Don't feel intimidated. I think we are all learners, including myself, including Erica. We would say everything is changing all the time. We have to learn, but I want you to sit tight and you will just soak it all in you'll have resources you'll feel a lot more informed about equity in ed tech. so if you are in tech, speaking of ed tech, we will talk to you about how you can talk about equity confidently how you can understand the nuances of equity in ed tech, and potentially how can you align your product with equitable learning outcomes and if you're an educator erica has a ton of practical resources tips strategies and all the things to get started so back to Erica, I want to give you a little bit of a bio of her. And as you know, I tend to do the bios of the guests on this show, because I find in education, everyone is so humble, and they say like two sentences, and that's it. But it doesn't give you the context you need to understand the wealth of their knowledge and their passion they bring to the field. So bear with me, this is going to be a whole hot minute, don't worry, and we'll get into the nitty gritty and all the things equity. But Erica is the founder of Blue Knowledge. And Is Blue Knowledge LLC a learning firm that advances equity through collaborative research, insightful evaluation, equity-driven professional learning? All of those things sounds like stuff that we are going to get into. She also launched another business, I told you, on LinkedIn. She's like, here's my other business. Here's also everything else I'm doing. She launched Lorivore learning, which empowers schools and community educators to design and deliver equitable and effective learning experiences. So she's working in the schools as well. And then when I told you I was fangirling and listening to what she's producing, she also hosts Remix EQ Live, which is an online learning platform and community that brings people together. And she brings the most interesting guests together and talking about equity, social justice, and all the things that encapsulate the nuances in between. So Dr. Tate slash Erica, we will be calling her, but she is a doctor. She, for over two decades, has designed and delivered interactive community building, practice changing, K-16 professional development across the country. She specializes in training and instructional coaching for elementary and secondary teachers that center equity in instructional design, digital learning, and STEM teaching and learning. So she... She also has published and presented on all of these topics, including a book chapter on Designing Science Instruction for Diverse Learners. So I just want to welcome you, Erica, to all things marketing and education. I am so excited to connect with you and learn from you. Welcome.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I appreciate it. I feel energized.
0: (laughs) Well on her show, just to give you context, do you want to go with how, how you start the show sometimes? Oh,
1: yes. <laughs> Welcome to
0: RemCQ e. Live. I was like, oh, she's got energy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> Well, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Um, I'd just like sometimes to start with, sometimes we dive into what we're known for in the industry and what we're passionate about, but I'd love to just know a little bit about you and it gives context to our audience to understand you as a person too. But how did you get started on this journey and how did you end up focusing on what you focus on right now?
1: Um, Yeah, I think it started when I was a young person. I grew up in a military family. My daddy served in the U.S. Air Force for 20 years. And so we ended up moving a lot and we ended up um, just being in a lot of different communities in which we had to figure out how to become a part of and how to live in and thrive. And um, I think early on, I did have a pretty keen eye for like unfairness and injustice, even in elementary school. And I would you know, speak up about it in, you know, ways that young people do, but (laughs) that also get you in trouble. Um, So I would, I do that for um, probably through middle and high school. And then when I got to college, I found, you know, (laughs) better ways to do that. But Um, even in college, I went to college to be an engineer. Um, I studied electrical engineering and I was very interested in math and science and computers. And and so that brought me into that space. It was something I was good at and something I enjoyed doing. But I also would was really interested and got very involved in trying to figure out ways to um, increase the representation of students of color in STEM fields. And so I joined like the National Society of Black Engineers. I worked in the dean's office that had initiatives for bringing women um, and and students of color into the field. And um, it's something that I, just thought was part of my extracurricular activities on campus. Um, But a few years after college, after I worked as an engineer and pivoted in education, I used all those um, extracurricular activities to get a job where I was um, at UC Berkeley, where I was able to support Students who came to the campus as undergraduates who were like first generation or students of color or women, and they would work with faculty and um, to try to get into grad school. And so I think I just always kept following that um, kind of like that equity. I wasn't calling it that then, you know. (laughs) And then I was like, I'm just trying to make a place comfortable for people and so that they could feel like they belong here too. Um, And when I went to grad school, we built. the My research program, we built uh, like STEM learning experiences for K through 12 schools, and mostly middle and high school. And I was, um, in doing that, I came into contact with people who were really centering social justice um, in their work, like in the math and science fields, and I thought, Okay. This is my place. Um, this is a space in which I feel like I can contribute to and and continue to learn from. And so that's like what pretty much launched me in this space. I designed a curriculum that's that. Um, taught kids about STEM um, and through a social justice lens and where they could think about their community and their experiences and they can contribute to solutions. Um, And I got to intersect with the public health field, both um, in scholarly work as well as a public health department and grassroots coalitions. And so it just really grounded me in community and the importance of it and, and working for that change. And so when I left, when I graduated, Um, I just didn't see myself necessarily like in academic institutions. I felt very called to work um, from the space of community. Um, And so that's how, you know, years later ended up founding um, my business, Blue Knowledge, in which almost every project that we do um, centers equity and whether it's kids or families or communities, and it's Definitely, uh, like if you could call a place of work home, it's right, definitely a place I call home. I'm very much energized by it and energized by the people who do this work. And so um, that's how I got here. And I think I'm here to stay. So.
0: <laughs> hey, yeah. And, you know, that work must be energizing it. But at the same time, obviously challenging, but it's it's a bit of a double edged sword because for me, my heart breaks when I see it and I don't know how to fix it. And it's sometimes such a, a big problem. I'm like, okay, how do you even get started? And I know that you're going to talk about a little bit of ways to do that. But um, I also just want to say, go Bears. I'm a fellow Cal Bear, too. see <laughs> yes, yes, Berkeley, yes. go Bears. <laughs>
1: okay, so it.
0: let's jump into instructional equity. Um, equitable and effective learning experiences I know you have a depth of knowledge and experiences around that but would would you mind just starting on okay we're we're jumping into your class and we're sitting in the front and we're like okay 101 what is it (laughs) yes (laughs)
1: all right so instructional equity so when you are pursuing right i think of it as a pursuit right we're always on this journey to be more equitable um and so when you are pursuing instructional equity it really is this practice that you're engaged in you're planning um your delivery you're reflecting on the learning experiences that are happening in your classroom and you're doing so um in a way that you are Ensuring that you meet the needs of every student in your classroom and in your school. And so when I talk about instruction, I'm talking about your learning expectations. I'm talking about the content that you're choosing to teach um, to your students or somebody has chosen for you to teach to them. Um, also, I'm thinking about your assessments and thinking about any of the tools that you have in your classroom. So how do you coordinate? all of those things so that you can really invite and support students to bring themselves into their classrooms, their identities, their lived experiences, um, their histories of their families. Um, So how do you create an environment or a, a learning community that allows for you to do that? And not just so that You are connecting with them and building relationships, which is very important and very key to any learning that's going to happen in your classroom. But you also are considering these as academic resources. So these um, ideas that students have, this emerging knowledge that they're developing through your class and through their school career are resources for further learning for themselves, are resources for further learning for their peers, um, as well as yourself. I think as a teacher, as an educator, as a lifelong learner, I'm also learning from the people whom I'm trying to teach a particular thing Um, and then second is that when we are engaged in instructional equity, when we've after we've invited these you know ideas and experiences into the classroom, and after we position them as resources for learning, that the um, learning activities that we have and the tools that we use are really eliciting those, right? So it's not just that we want to know about it, but we're figuring out ways um, to kind of pull that out of students or, or encourage them to to share it, but also that um, they're doing it in different ways, and so. Um, We all have different and diverse ways of knowing and doing things or building and sharing knowledge. And so if our classroom is a classroom that um, is built on instructional equity that has equitable experiences, then students should be able to find multiple different ways to share their ideas, to exchange ideas with others, and to use or apply those ideas to what you're learning in the classroom or what they're going to take with them when they head back home to their families or head forward in their school or other life careers that they have
0: yeah I feel like in this podcast I'm gonna do and for those of you can't see this live um I'm gonna do a lot of head nodding I'm like (laughs) yes yes and I'm like sometimes because I come from the family of ed campers we snap and I'm like yes head nodding and snapping in all this weird way because what you're saying is like something i truly believe in and it it inspires me for you know what if we all could have this and have access to this what type of society would we be we would be very different and it inspires me for the work that you're doing um so we talked a little bit about what it is but what do you think the misconceptions are around this type of work and maybe potentially like what what do you think is the biggest barrier why people and districts um and even ed tech like don't don't get involved as much as they could
1: Mm -hmm. so i have like two things about this like Mm -hmm. one you mentioned it earlier it is such a big problem right i mean that's such a big challenge and i think it's um and as it should be it is overwhelming and it it is intimidating i mean it is that type of problem that we need to find solutions for and i see that sometimes we'll you know there are all these inequities that exist and the reason that these equity exists happened way before me right and way before the children who are in my classrooms although it still affects them and it will affect them for generations but that is overwhelming like a generational problem yeah. is really hard to tackle and i think um I don't know if it's a misconception, but like an approach to that is thinking about there are many inequities. And depending on what lens that you choose to look through, you might be able to identify something that you can change. Um, and so, like, for example, like for me, I often look through like a racial equity lens. I often look through like um, a gender equity lens because you know I'm a black woman. But um, but I can like look and see, OK, um, um, I can see disparities in our achievement levels, um, you know, as defined by standardized tests. And I can see that those disparities exist because of race. And I can start to think about and ask the question so, what has happened before this time that has led to that? And then, where can I kind of insert myself or insert others to make that change? And I think feeling empowered that you don't have to have the solution to the entire problem, but you do have to um, find a perspective to look through um, that suits you or suits the students that you're serving or their families that you're serving and begin to unpack what it is that might have led to this and what you can do to contribute to that. Um, the other thing that I think um, sometimes is a misconception is that we're like, okay, if we're meeting the needs of all our students, then that's just really good teaching. right? And so we just kind of fall back and like, well, this is an evidence-based solution or practice. And so I'm going to use it. I'm good teaching and I'm being equitable. But I think it starts before that. It's really understanding, it starts with like the intention and really understanding I'm like, what it is that has led to this inequity. Like why are, do I have students who are not reading at grade level? Or why do I have students who don't, um, view school as a positive experience, because that could be based on their family's history? Um, or why is it that I do have students who could succeed more than they are, but now my school has not, or my district has not provided the resources that I need as an instructor to support them to going forward? And so I really like to underscore um, that the beliefs that you have about yourself and your students and their learning and your intentions for making that change are really key in critical for pursuing like equitable instruction or any type of equitable outcome in your schools and communities.
0: Yeah. And like you said, it it what you're dealing with is generational and it can feel overwhelming. But what I loved about what you said is that you just have to go in and almost be a learner. And and if your goal is to truly improve learning outcomes for all students you got to do this you got to be curious and say gosh what types of students in my class are succeeding and not succeeding from an ed tech perspective you should be saying what types of students are using my product and which ones aren't um is my product as inclusive as possible do i talk like is it helping decrease the inequity or is it increasing it like these are some hard questions that you have to ask yourself but you got to start somewhere and it just it reminds me of so we build online communities one of the things we do at lcg and a lot of the times we'll start with an assumption we'll say here's what we think will happen and then we'll test it out with the educators and i would say I would say I'm embarrassed to say, but more often than not, the educators prove us wrong and they're like, no, we actually don't like that. We like this. But you don't know until you actually go. in. But you have to go in intentionally with that, like almost scientific. Here's my assumption. Here's I'm going to test it. But I'm going to leave it up to them. And I love how you say that you have to really learn alongside your students and activate their prior knowledge and interests in learning and things.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I really agree because the way that we build community is not just like being in the same space, right? Like you were talking about, but like, you're building a community in your classroom. And if you don't, um, like, if you consider it one way right, in the delivery of information, then, commu- then, you know, a community you are not building, right? Um, you're just like, um, instructing. Um, but I think that, I mean, I like that idea. Like, I think that you come into community, you create enough comfort, you create enough like support that you you can try things out because we can't, predict every experience for every student is too diverse. And we don't wanna keep falling on um, the ideas and stories that we have or that other people have told us about students. So like that curiosity that you have with your your classroom, with your learning community, I mean, it will go so far into changing your classroom culture and building um, like more equitable um, instruction and, and learning experiences for your students, including yourself as an educator.
0: <laughs> yeah, and not to layer on a, a bigger problem, but I, I just want to bring out the pandemic and its effects right now because I would say even veteran educators 20 plus years in the classroom are reaching out and screaming, I don't know how to engage students. I don't know, like there's, there's I don't even know where to start and, That's where I feel like they can kind of look backwards and say, okay, what 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 was happening in the last two plus years Mm -hmm. um, and what was different between these types of students and these students that may have like catapulted them to do this, or, or be more apathetic, or less interested, or, or whatnot, it's it's a bigger problem. But I know we're going to get into that. I, I'm, I'm digressing because I have a little bit of a flu brain. But I want to kind of pivot us over to the ed tech world. And yes, I hate that word, pivot, but I feel like it's appropriate for ed tech when we're talking about them. But, <laughs> um, so if I'm an ed tech professional, and I'm listening, and I'm like, yes, I want to be a learner, I really want to truly understand equity in education, um, how can they get involved, like on on a broader level? Um, how do, how do they adequately talk about equity and not overpromise what their products doing? And then, I mean, a lot of these folks are, are in meetings where they get to direct what the product becomes and yeah. and what they should be looking out for. Yeah. I know those are bigger. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <start with> one <laughs> but,
1: yeah I think with edtech I mean I think one of the reasons I appreciate digital tools um and 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 um believe that they should be integrated with classroom instruction, um, is that they do two things, is that um, a well-designed um, ed tech tool gives you visibility into students' ideas, um, gives that for the teacher, as well as um, for some of the tools that we have out there, students can also see other students' ideas very easily. And it also gives students voice. Um, and so students are allowed to share in ways that they may not be able to share in a more traditional classroom um, um, if, if those tools weren't there, if Those tools alongside instructional strategies weren't there. And so I think um, things that ed tech developers can think about is in the design of this tool, um, one, who's using it? uh, (laughs) Because that's really important. um, And who's going to use it in the way um, that's intended, um, and I, I wait, Sorry, I want to say reverse that. Is that like also what's the intention of that tool, right? And so, what is it that you want students to be able to get out of it, to do with it, to learn with it, and how will it support teachers to better instruct those students? Um, and so then I think about then if your voice, you know, if your purpose is for more visibility of ideas, how are you um, um, creating a space for st- or creating an opportunity for students to like access your tool and use your tool and communicate with it. Um, I think like those things are important to ask those questions. And I think the other thing is like who does that tool silence. Um, so when we're thinking about we have this really cool tool and it's really exciting right and it's like bringing students ideas into the classroom but some students aren't contributing um some students aren't sharing some students aren't listening or reading or watching um other students responses and i think just like all of those are really good kind of like um kind of test criteria to look at when you're like designing this tool and you're putting it into practice with students to really pay attention to who is using it, who is not using it and why. Um, Because I think that's the, those connect to more general principles around equity in general. Like when we talk about inequities, we're usually talking about someone being silenced. We're usually talking about someone not having access. We're usually talking about somebody not being able to make use of a resource. And so when we can um, kind of um, use those as like lenses for our test, um, for our field tests (laughs) Uh, with our tools, then I think we'll get more information and then I'll push us closer Um, to thinking about um, if we are meeting the needs of every student in our classroom, like why and how.
0: Yeah, and what you said is that technology can give voice Um, to students and I also heard you in the beginning talking about choice and technology does that too right so well that's what I love about ed tech is that if you do it well you can have this toolbox of ed tech and say okay we've got a project here are like lots of different ways that you can do it and it really helps being inclusive with all the different diverse learners and you know potentially saying okay this person's more into video or podcasting whatever it may be it invites them to share their passion and really dive deep into the learning and I I love that that about it and then you mentioned access um, and that's critical and I, I see that of when people think about especially in a tech developing products sometimes they have engineers at the helm and they say oh this is this is a this is a feature they need and i say, why and they said well, well of course they need this they need these big dashboards i'm like but why have they has it meeting a challenge right now that you can validate with actual teacher voices and actual administrator voices And so that's something to just pause and think of, because if you do not have educators in the room or you're not listening to them actively, you're not, chances are you're not going to develop a product that's incorporating their voices and it might be, you know, contributing to inequity and you don't even know it. Right.
1: Yeah. I love that point about like, like who's included in the room, like who's included in the, like the testing of that. And I think like, like, Right, you're making a tool for educators um, to use with students, and if you leave them out, <laughs> right, your product is probably not going to be as useful. Um, but so like, so also being mm, uh, strategic and intentional about who you're inviting, so making sure that you have um, a diverse set of teachers, and it could be diverse anyways, geographic different types of resource schools, um, it could be racial, it could be gender, it could be diverse by the types of students they teach, right? But like having all of those experiences come into the room to utilize the product Mm -hmm. that's being developed really, um, it makes it harder, right? (laughs) To make sense of the the data, but I think you become, it makes it more useful. And then also like looking at those, what we are like the margins or um, those on the, um the edges right like sometimes we ignore that um because it's like most people are are using it but i think that when we can see like why isn't it working for like this small select group of people it might provide us some insights into how to make a better more inclusive and useful product for um all people you know all students all teachers or all schools
0: Yeah, and this reminds me, so we've now had, I don't know, 30 something episodes of the podcast. And one of our episodes was with Raina Yaker and she's from Rye Consulting and she talks about pilots. And in particular, when you are piloting your product in districts, how can you really work and collaborate with educators to fully get that understanding that Eric is talking about of like who who do they think is being left behind? Because sometimes data won't show you that, but qualitatively you can talk to the educators and say, how are you feeling about this? Did this engage other learners that normally don't engage? Um, That qualitative is super helpful. And she has a lot of tips around how to partner and and make it a win-win situation for teachers, educators, admins, and yourself, too. So we'll put that episode in the show notes. And I'll I'll put the URL of the show notes at the end of the, um, the episode. So I know we could talk for days about this topic. Um, I think maybe the last part with EdTech, I I just want to like hit home and maybe, you know, throw something at you around accessibility of EdTech too. And we know there are profit models within EdTech and they need to sell. Um, And if they're selling directly to parents, sometimes that can create inequitable access, right? But I I would just say those EdTech folks that have a product that are selling either B2B, B2C, just think about who you're selling to and who wouldn't be able to afford it who would, like naturally from your business model who are you le- being left behind and is there a way that you can enter the conversation and give access to your product even in the smallest way to other other areas and people that normally wouldn't and i just want you to pause and just think about that because if you're talking if you're going to be talking about equity on your website you have to be thinking about what are the ways that you can actually provide equitable access and learning outcomes, right? So let's talk about the educators, because I know you educators that are listening, going, gosh, you know, maybe I've tried this, but it like Erica saying, it's a long journey, and you're constantly learning, and it's constantly changing. But are there some simple things that I can do either to get started or to to help reignite like what I'm currently doing?
1: Yeah, I think um, one thing that's like, it's simple, because you have the most control of it, control over it, but it's definitely something that like takes time, um, is that just starting with reflection, right? I think it's really important that when we are thinking about um, equity, thinking about um, ways that we might change our practice so that it's more equitable, we have to really reflect on ourselves because we are all humans and we have all have our own histories and identities and that affects affects how we view the world. Um, it affects like the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves, our students, um, and what our students um, will achieve and will accomplish. And so I think that um, the first place is to really start with reflection and think about what is it that you truly believe about yourself as an educator and your purpose, and what is it that you truly believe about your students and, and, and what they can accomplish. And I think when we start to do that type of reflection, um, we start to notice some of the spaces where um, you know, actually, I believe that every student right, can learn, but sometimes in my practice, um, I'm not addressing every student or I've already relegated a couple of students to... Um, a space in my class where I know like they're just not engaged or they're just not going to get it. And so I'm going to have someone come in and do something with them while I work with the rest of my class. And just think about like, why is that happening? And and what are you, you know, what can you do to change that? I think the other thing that I, I, I I love sharing with teachers because one, it helps with the collegiality of teachers is that, um, like I'm a researcher, so I like evidence. And right, so I have all these ideas about what I think I'm doing and what I think <laughs> um, is gonna work, right? Just like we all do when we plan a learning experience. But um, having like a colleague or if you have like a good relationship with an administrator, come in and observe your classroom, come in or take a short video of your classroom so that you have evidence of your practice. and that way you can see like i wanted all the kids to do that but at some point in the lesson i just stopped moving in that way because you know i it was time right and i needed to like complete this or move them on to the next thing or actually um you know i have a few students in my classroom just because of personality maybe that i don't really engage with as much or maybe it's behaviors right that come from somewhere um and so i have some strategies for controlling the classroom, but it doesn't necessarily facilitate the learning. And so I think that if you can get like a friend, you know, your teacher, friend, teacher, bestie, to come in um, and, 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 and um, help you learn more about what you are actually doing in your classroom and then taking some time to reflect on that with your beliefs, I think it's really eye-opening and it really creates what I think is most important at first, this opportunity and this kind of um, catalyst for changing your practice.
0: Yeah, that's such a good point. And it made me start thinking about, you know, when educators see themselves on video, it's a whole new world, you know, because you just don't understand all the things that you do. And sometimes, you know, not sometimes, pretty much all the time, you have zero time. And so what are the shortcuts you do consistently that that unintentionally may leave some folks out. And you'll see it on video. And for educators going, gosh, that's, that's really intimidating. Know that we now have something in our pocket that has video, you can just put it on a stand, it doesn't have to be professional. But I also want to point your attention to the world of ed tech is sometimes districts buy technology that you may not even be aware of that you have at your disposal. So check to see with you know, your, either your TOSAs, or your ed tech coordinators, or anyone in the school that helps you with tech or the district and see what types of technology they have at your disposal. Because more often than not, they actually might have a solution. And just to list a couple, there's Inside Advance, which is really great where you can, you know, all of these solutions, but Inside Advance, Athena, Swivel, they all have solutions where you can videotape yourself and you can choose what you share with other people. It's not like, oh, gotcha moments where it's like, they're, you know, oh, she's doing bad teaching. Like, You know, we're all doing bad teaching at certain times, I can imagine, right? We're not perfect. That's why we want to just reckon with ourselves and say, what are the habits I have? You know, oh, go ahead.
1: No, I was just like, yeah, I love the fact you, sorry, I love the fact that you were like, yes, check with your district because there's all of these different tools that exist and it is true. <laughs> um, yes, you do, you do not need to buy new things to do this reflection. <laughs> Use what you have or ask the district to provide it for you because you work for them. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And now you just like if you're an educator, like pause this part of the episode and just reflect on what are the things that you think you might do differently or or you just question right? Because um, one of my friends, Jen Roberts, she's an English teacher in San Diego. She was doing um, those Harkness circles, where every all the kids are in a um, circle. And their goal is to each one of them talk and discuss a book, but in a in more of a strategic way. And the, the kids get participation points when they bring up points and things like that. And so she would track it in the circle. And she just because she had the time and she wanted to, she paused and said, who's not talking? What are the patterns around who's not showing up? And she was able to kind of rearrange groups to make people feel more included and and really talk. Sometimes the kids don't even know why they're not talking. You're, you know, you ask, them, hey, I'm like, I don't know. But you have to figure out maybe they don't feel included. They don't feel safe enough to talk. So she was able to rearrange groups with just like a, a Google tool and say, OK, here's let's see if this works. And then let's see if this works. And then slowly but surely, we saw everybody participating, and she was super proud of that. So there aren't even just baby moments like that, right?
1: Yeah. That's a big moment. I, mean, I love that because, I mean, dialogue is how we learn. And I think that, um, I mean, I love that, that intentionality around that and then this, like, um, I like this like embracing kind of the iteration. Like I tried this, um, it worked, I tried this, it didn't work and I kept tweaking it until I came to you know, a point where I felt like all my kids could participate in this activity in the way that I thought would be most beneficial for them. And I think that's, the thing is not, it's not going to always work the first time, probably not. But the fact that you're trying and you have this goal, for example, for every student to contribute um, to the conversation or the t- about the topic that you have, um, then you can really work and plan toward that. Um, and then she even has some evidence, right? She's like tracking it so that she knows. Um, um, how close she is to this goal and what else she might need to try to do that. I think that's the right spirit um, with this. You know, we talked about earlier, it's a big problem. It's really challenging. It's really overwhelming. But even that little bit created so much opportunity for voice for students. Right. And then what happens when she does the next unit? Right? <laughs> for sure. Um. So we talked a
0: little bit about just like how to get started. And I, I'm sure, you know, we'll connect with you and, and throw some of your resources in the show notes too for some practical tips and stuff but like when an educator starts this work what do you think frustrates them that sometimes they don't continue the work like what are the the typical challenges they encounter
1: um you know yes and so this definitely depends on um um, the educator and how they're coming into the problem and from where. But I think that, um, one, it's like the results don't happen really fast, and that can seem frustrating. But you're talking about, right, you're talking about changing a problem that exists that has, you know, come to exist over generations. Um, and so you will see changes, right? You will see students talk. You will see students find the resource that they need to, like, move them forward in whatever learning trajectory that they have. But, to, um, but it will take time to change a culture. to um, center equity, it will take time to change a culture, to fully implement those strategies and create an environment that's inclusive. Um, And I think the other thing too is that, it's really hard work to lead um, equity initiatives um, in your school, um, especially. Like, I always think, like as being like a woman, a black woman, and I'm sitting here talking about inequities. I'm talking about inequities for my students that I also um, have. Have and it becomes, you know, very. Um, it's very. Um, emotional and frustrating and painful because you're reliving a trauma that has happened so that you can you know help students not have to live with that trauma or at least cope with it in ways that helps them to be more successful in school. And so I think like those are challenges. And so one, I think for the person who's feeling those challenges, because you identify with the group that you're trying to um, um, support and change is to really like honor that work and honor that it does hurt and honor um, that you might need to take a break step out if it it is causing you frustration um, and think about other ways to get in there, but also like, that the colleagues are also not running to like the teacher of color to ask them how to solve this problem because they've, they're already solving a lot of other things that are happening day to day. And just thinking about what is it that like what work can you do as an ally in this process um, to 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 move things forward or to c- create space so that conversations can happen in the most comfortable way it is an uncomfortable topic discomfort is necessary for change but like how can we do that in respectful productive ways that keep our um, focus on students or focus on teachers or other educators having a um i think like a a, an experience with learning, whether it's professional or you know, an academic in the classroom that keeps them wanting to learn and learn with others um, in the future. And so I think those are like considerations to think about when embarking on this work. Um, you, it, it's hard to do by yourself, but it's also hard to do with others. And you have to like, take that into account and, and figure out ways that you can respect the challenge and respect the people who are trying to solve it
0: yeah that's such a great point and i think about um the older a student gets um the less one teacher has the influence of their entire day right so if i'm in middle school or high school i might just have them for one period of the day and sure i can do my best to be as equitable as possible and start learning and but but that again is just one portion of their day it's kind of like you're you're pulled, like, pushing this boulder up a hill. It's about to go back at you because, you know, who knows what happens to them in the rest of the day and also their home environment and their social environment. So do you have an example? I know you work with districts too, but like, it feels like it, the, the best one would be like, how can I, as a district, embody this as an initiative? And then, like you also said, it's hard to work with others on this, but we got to work somewhere. But, no like, way. do you have an example of like a, a, maybe a, a district that was able to do this successfully or even just navigate it?
1: Yes. Well, I think that, yeah. So, I think that like has to. The- Um, start from the top and start from the leadership and it has to be a part of like all that they're doing and so I think like when districts are rolling out their academic plans or they're rolling out like their strategic plans um, for how they're going to improve um, instruction or improve students learning experiences that they need to make that aware like there needs to be a statement a commitment but it also needs to be a part of that so if we are going to um t- center equity in our school district then we are also going to create training um <laughs> for teachers and training for other school staff that allows for them to one consider and reflect on this topic that is really massive as we've talked about and also begin to create plans for thinking about how they might improve their instruction or or their support of instructors um, and doing that i think also um just thinking about, um, I think anytime that we are trying to center equity, we need to be really great listeners and learners. And so how is the district communicating and reaching out to the other stakeholders, like students and families, and even their teachers to get a better sense of what the needs are. So like, obviously at the end of every year, most public school districts have an accountability report. And so they, you know, we quantify like the racial disparities or linguistic disparities of our students but that's just you know one point in time like what um, else are you doing to learn about you know, the experiences of your families and students that are in your district and then what is your plan for using that to support um the to uh, so support or inform like what types of trainings what types of resources um that you roll out and then what um Type of accountability that you're holding for yourself and others to make sure that over time this work is centered, um, and then that this work leads to outcomes that you can, you know, I think be proud of, right? Because this is something that you really want to do for all students. Because for public school, this is the the mission of public school is to serve all students. One hundred
0: percent. But it's just it's so so hard and so many different levels. And if we don't have awareness, like you said, we don't start that learning. And I think I'd love to be able to surface up something that I think you, you wrote and it's it is beautiful you said we're always learning because our world is always changing and you talk about you know as educators we all call we're lifelong learners right um, but we must acknowledge that our students have personal and collective histories that intersect with the lessons in our classrooms and you talked so beautifully about that in the beginning is how do we activate their prior knowledge um, and their passions and these experiences shape how students engage with us to ensure that we meet the needs of every learner we must ask are we using every tool available to us including equitable assessments which you talked about and i'd be curious if you have maybe a link um, we can put in the show notes where people can explore that that's an entirely different podcast equitable (laughs) assessments um but are we using every tool available uh, to us to create spaces in our learning communities where every student has a chance to be seen and share what they know and can do and that is just. I just think what is so beautiful, and and for those PBL type of teachers, that could be your driving question, right? You could start with that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, I think what underscores that, or for me, is that like learning, the reason I'm a lifelong learner, and the reason I think many of us are, is that we find joy in learning. And if we can use everything that's available to us to help students find that joy, then we won, right? I mean, like, that's the key, right? Is that they go to school to learn, but they go to school because they want to learn because we've created this space where learning is relevant to them. It matters to them. They see utility in it and they have fun doing it. Um, And so I think... um, that happens with, like, how you connect with students. Um, It happens with how you use tools, like even ed tech tools, right, digital tools, to create different spaces, right, for them to create that are, you know, connected to your classroom, but might offer a little bit more flexibility on how they represent themselves and how they represent their ideas. Um, And so I think if we can come to this work, right, any of this work, when we think about meeting the needs of students and their families is, like, how do we that like if we center equity, we also center joy, right? And so how can we make learning um, lovely, right? <laughs> and make learning like exciting um, because we respected what you brought to the table and we used it and we amplified it and um, we, we, we made it matter because you matter. And I, 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 you know, I think when we can come to this work, we can start to at least, note that we should reflect on what we're doing so that we can begin um, making change in this process.
0: Yeah, oh, beautifully said, really beautifully said. I think um, I me and you are just getting into the tip of the iceberg in this conversation. And we can just, you know, for a couple hours by a fireplace, like really get into it. And we'll have you on as another guest down the road. But n- Given what we've talked about around equity, is there anything you want to just say to the educators or even ed tech folks listening that might help them or just like, I love how you say it it helps people be seen equity as well. And is there anything parting thought you want to like tell our audience to wrap it up or (laughs) I don't know, um,
1: Well, I think for both teachers and ed tech developers, like you're designers, right? You're designing for a particular audience you know for teachers it's the students that are in your classrooms um, and even like when we talk like the principals and instructors you know you're trying to design these professional or instructional coaches excuse me you're trying to design these professional learning experiences and then we're trying to think about how like ed tech tools or you know digital tools can really facilitate these experiences that we have but all of these learning experiences are happening because of people and so i think you know, if we are going to make a commitment to building community within our school and across schools is that we have to make a commitment to like seeing people and seeing them as human and seeing them um, as people whose life before we met them has really shaped them. And it's in it and, it and it's real. right? Um, and it has been very challenging for many. And so. Um, if we can meet people and figure out how to bring ease to that relationship and ease to that experience um, and kind of keep that front of mind, it helps us be more forgiving. It helps us um, kind of be more open. And I think it helps us consider more people like in and and include a wider range of people like in our circle whether it's our social circle or it's our circle of like testers for our tools right it like triggers to us that we need someone with this experience or we need someone with that experience because their experience really matters um because it shaped who they are and they matter um and so i just think that people first is really the key um to this, this work, because that's why we're educators, and that's why we work in this space. Is, I mean, we love people, right? We love learning. <laughs> um, I mean, that's why we're here. And so, anytime we can just think about who we're trying to serve, I think um, it carries us a long, long way.
0: Great. And thinking about loving learning specifically, what we ask all of our guests is just, you know, this work can be very full of joy like you talked about but it also can be really challenging you have those days where you just like want to hit your head against your computer and say why or this is just too big of a problem or i'm not making much of a difference like you said you know when people get frustrated about work and equity specifically but like what do you do personally when you have those days that you're just depleted and something that is able to recharge you consistently
1: Oh, man. So I I like, uh, I think I can say this. I'm addicted to television or (laughs) or shows. (laughs) So I really, and I really love, um, okay so I think one of the things that has happened over my lifetime is that shows have become more diverse and we have access to like stories from around the world and I'm just like all in it right and now that they can dub in English I'm like yes so I really just <laughs> really I think like I will sit down and find like a mini series or a short series on you know on like any streaming and like really watch and just take in the story about people's lives and, and sometimes it's a story that's you know like they've overcome something and sometimes it's just very lighthearted, and they just start doing these things that are really interesting so um i definitely like that is my kind of um any way that i distress
0: for those people that are like what is she watching <laughs>
1: <laughs> i don't know what i was saying like what have i been watching lately so I've been watching like The Good Doctor. I've been into Korean dramas. <laughs> so I watched the extraordinary um, Attorney Woo. Uh, oh my God, like this brought me such joy. I just was like, and I was like, and you know, I, I don't speak Korean, you might not know. But so I have to watch the subtitles so I can't be doing something else. So it really is a full commitment that those storylines are right on. Cause I'm like, hey, watching um, very Mm -hmm. deeply. Um, I'm trying to think what else I've been watching. I watched like, I don't know, I watched like a little bit of everything. Um, but um, I enjoy like dramas and stories and um, um, and I mean you know it's not well, this being crazy, it's the holiday season, so like I'm all on those lifetime holiday romantic comedies which are where I can like literally predict what is about to happen. she's gonna fall off the ladder. <laughs> but I'm still like, <gasps> oh. <laughs> So I'm enjoying those. (laughs) Yeah, and
0: for those of you listening that you're like, gosh, you know, I don't have time for this or that. And just I want you to reframe and say you don't have time not to recharge. And you should never feel guilty about figuring out what helps you recharge and be the best version of yourself. Um, Well, I'll throw in another episode. Um, We talked to an educator named Tracy, and she said, you know, It's okay to say no to other things, but always say yes to yourself. So that's why I ask these questions to other people, because they're so, I find it so interesting of like how people differently recharge and you unapologetically recharge. Like this is, this is helping, you know, sure we can all go overboard. Like I spent three hours on a puzzle last night, (laughs) but like, you know, it helped. (laughs) So Erica, I just want to thank you so much for, I mean, I I literally cold DM to this woman because I've been fangirling her on uh, LinkedIn and said, Hey, do you want to be on my podcast? And she's like, sure. So I just want to thank you for saying yes to this crazy person here. And thank you for sharing your knowledge and your passion. And the show notes today we will put in any resources that you have around your companies you have beautiful frameworks that i think can really open people's eyes on like how do you get started what are the tips and things like that as well um you can access this episode's show notes at leoneconsultinggroup.com backslash 39 so 39 and we'll put in not only the resources that erica suggests and the things that i talk about but we'll also provide synopsis of what we talked about too so if you're busy on the go and say oh what did she say about this that's going to be your cliff notes around that and and last question erica is how can people get a hold of you and learn alongside you you do so much out there what's the best way for them to follow along with you
1: I think you can follow along with me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty much there, um, <laughs> um, sharing what we're doing and really celebrating the work of others. And then also have my show Remix EQ Live, which I think we're all learning together from the guests that are on. And so I think that's another place um, to connect. And then my website, and so and I'm happy to connect. I love people, so <laughs> feel free to reach out.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I would say if you're looking, trying to stalk her on LinkedIn, go to. Dr. Erica, is it Dr. Erica D. Tate or is it? I think Erica D. Tate. Okay. And we'll put it all in the show notes too. Uh, And then her website for blue knowledge and then Laura Vor. You can also just throw those in Google, and you'll be able to find her. And she's got an awesome show called Remix EQ Live that I've I've already binged on, and go wow, those are really interesting conversations. She has them
1: on her website as well. And you go live on LinkedIn with those, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, so, we, yeah, so we'll be back in um, in a few weeks, yeah, to do some
0: more. Yay! Well, thank you so much, and thank you all listeners for listening around. Sometimes a, a topic that feels nebulous, but you got to start somewhere. And And, you know, hearing someone as passionate as Erica talk about, you know, the successes and and really how to – if you are truly here to bring joy of learning to others, you cannot talk – cannot not talk about equity in the classroom because we all want to reach all learners. We want to empower all of them. And I just – I got so – I don't know, just – inspired again and I hope that the educators listening you know you at least take a pause out of your busy day um, and or if you have a break coming up or whatever it may be and just think about it and think about you know how can we get a cohort of people to think about it together potentially. If you're an ed tech organization, I'd love you to think about who's not using the product, who is not at the table around product decisions too. Those are really big questions. And if my product is designed to serve a certain segment of an audience, how can I potentially have it serve? others in other ways if we feel like it's creating inequities unintentionally so those are really big questions to ask i thank you all for learning alongside all of us and we will see you next time on all things marketing and education take care thanks so much for listening to this week's episode if you liked what you heard and want to dive deeper you can visit leoneconsultinggroup.com backslash podcasts for all show notes links and freebies mentioned in each episode And we always love friends. So please connect with us on Twitter at Leonie Group. If you enjoyed today's show, go ahead and click the subscribe button to be the first one notified when our next episode is released. We'll see you next week on all things marketing and education.